This is Robert from Twin Peaks, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Got a light? I just thought of a character who is just so, has no boundaries, no filter. They don't ever mean any harm. However, you know, they'll just be in your apartment eating cereal and stuff. When you come home, uh, they, you know, <clears throat> they've, they've always done something good. And you're just like, what the heck? But they just, there's something about it. It's like, that's their specialty. They just want to, you know, help out. And you're just like, what the heck is going on here? They're, they're cleaning the place. They're making sure everything is, you know, set up real good. The cats are fed. Um... You know, lights are turned off when they should be. Uh, 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 stove is turned off when it should be. All, all that razzmatazz. Um, making sure there isn't anything empty in the microwave that's cooking. <clears throat> so, but, you know, they just have no they just have no boundaries. They'll just try your clothes on. They'll, you know, they'll just start feeling up your wife. Just a very curious... Do you want to know what? Uh, no, just no boundaries, no boundaries. And due to whatever reason, uh, people just don't call them out on it and, uh, they just, they just kind of get away with it. It's like a character. It's like, the, like a character they can slip into. It's like some sort of permission slip that enables them. Kind of like uh, in Doctor Who, Doctor Who, where he's got the, uh, perception paper and he goes, Phew! He goes, oh, yeah, I'm a security guard here at this factory. And there it is. They're like, oh, yes, certainly, sir. Go ahead. It's like that kind of thing. So, yeah, I just imagine a character like that and how, how interesting uh, that would be to try to deal with them and then try to just get them out of your life. Because I can imagine someone like that is very nosy. Imagine it's kind of like one of those, like... Um, and this is probably where they first started getting the idea of, uh, what was it? Basic Instinct? No, not Basic Instinct. What was it where she, she, there's that famous scene, Michael Douglas's rabbit gets put in the boiler. Um, Glenn Close is in it. Uh, basic Instinct? Is that what it was? No. That was with Sharon Stone or Hoo-Ha, right? Mm -hmm. Open legs, close legs. Open legs, close legs. The controversy of the century. The controversy of the century. So there you go. That's that's a very interesting character that just uh, popped into my brain. I was watching uh, Wayward Pines. I'm watching Wayward Pines, and there's a character that this guy plays. He's a sheriff, and he just shows up in the house. He's, like, making a bowl of cereal. Oh, no, that's what it is. He's eating ice cream. Yeah, his big thing is that he's always eating ice cream. That's right. That's the genius aspect about it. Um, this show is very much like Prisoner meets Twin Peaks. Uh, very close to an idea I had uh, for a... Well, I'm not going to say it. 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 Yeah, parts, uh, Twin Peaks parts of, uh, I see little aspects of uh, Army of Darkness, Prisoner. Um, what's interesting is instead of, like, Prisoner, 
is on an island. This show is in a sense on an island, but it's a, it's a whole it's a whole community that's surrounded by a big fence, big gate by who knows who's beyond that gate. Nobody knows. So it's a big, big curious thing. You try to go out of town, it just takes you in a big circle. Good luck, buddy. Good luck. You're going ring around, ring around the, ring around the, the pines. Okay, ring around the pines. Yeah. Oh, also mixed with the village. Yeah, mixed with the village because it's produced by M Night Shyamalan, the the, uh, the guy who did the village. So. You know, you see elements. You see elements of all this stuff. But it, what's interesting is it comes from a series of books. So I, I would, I'd be interested in knowing how, how soon those books came out as to relation to uh, Twin Peaks. So that's my two cents. Take care. Oh, yeah, you know what? Take care and uh, keep the Inspirato flowing. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. I was just reading that Chicago Ensemble book again, and there's a part in there where the guy's talking about how apparently in New York in 1986, tattoos were uh, outlawed. So I'm going to look online here. Tattoos outlawed. New York. 1980. I'll just put outlawed. Let's see. What the hell? What? Did you guys know this? Those of you who live in uh, New York must have known this. Dude, okay. Tattooing was illegal in New York City until 1997? Oh my God. In 1961, it officially became illegal to give someone a tattoo in New York City. So. That's interesting. That would be because apparently there's a whole exhibit. Oh my God, there's an exhibit uh, in 19, uh, February 28th. What? Dude. Okay, I just read this today. This is February 29th, 2020. Okay? February 29th, 2020. I just read this now about, about tattoos being illegal uh, in New York. This guy's talking about it here in this book. In uh, an ensemble. Uh, now... I go to search online just to see how much of this is true. And then I end up finding out that this article was printed on February 28th, which was a day ago in 2017. <coughs> oh, my God. So apparently they had uh, something called Tattooed New York, an exib- exhibition dedicated to a f- uh, epidermal art and its history that is on display through April 30th at the New York Historical Society Museum and Library. Oh, my God. Did any of you attend this? It says the show contained more than 250 objects, artworks, photographs, videos, other documents stretching from the early 1700s to now, including Thomas Edison's electric pen. Electric pen? The precursor to the tattoo gun in a Norman Rockwell oil painting of a man getting inked. So... I'd love to know the reasons. I'd love to know the reasons. And how how could you prove that you didn't get your tattoo in New York? Were there a lot of people in jail back then who who had tattoos between the years 1961 and 1997? 
you know, usually when there's some kind of repression of that thing in society, um, people try harder to get around that. There's, there's just, there's that innate, I think, feeling within us, that mischievousness to find a loophole. What's the loophole here? I don't want to speak for everybody. I do. That's why I don't watch regular news. I'm not immersed in regular media. I'm not talking about any of any of the information that has become commonplace. Maybe when people say, didn't you know that that's I thought that was common sense. Well, what really is the sense? The sense is what what people are sensing. What are they buying into? What are they scenting? What are they sensing? They're sensing something. What are they sensing? What are they actually valuing? putting value into. And then what that means is the value that they're putting stuff into is another sense. So there's a sense coming out. And then what leads people to want to, to value something? Is it when they uh, hear something, when they see value from someone else's eyes, a well-trusted company, a company that has a good track record, a good, a good street cred. So we will buy into, or if it's someone that we trust, someone that we uh, uh, have a closeness to. What are ways to hook those people in? Well, you talk to, let's say, a college they go to, or you talk to a particular, polit- a particular political side that they are uh, involved with, or a particular culture that really um, is important to them. Uh, finding all those subcultures, pointing at them. Um, you know, the smallest subcultures, or so they might feel, they, they, there's this idea of wanting to grow because there's this idea of wanting to have more people to be able to interact with that closely resemble those ideas and, and, and those feelings and that same mentality. So there's that idea of wanting to grow that, make that a bigger part of the, of the, of the uh, society reality system, a reality ecosystem. So there are all these reality ecosystems coexisting and then you're finding the Venn diagrams between them. And what's favorable, what's unfavorable, what's a preference, what are you not allowed to say out, out, outside for fear of being, uh, uh, you know, stoned with words, so to speak, from differing opinions uh, I mean, it goes back and back. And then and then not, in addition to that, you speak to, you know, sometimes people do stuff just strictly on principle. Just it, that's how it always has been in my family. That's how it always be right down the line. I will not stray from that. We've always been sloth hunters now and forevermore. Our family will always be sloth hunters. We've always been generations, ancestry, we go down the line, sloth hunters, we wear it. We wear that name loud. We wear that name proud, and we want as many people to know it as possible. We are sloth hunters, and we, you know, protest against those who do not approve of sloth hunting. It's what we do, and we find philanthropists and donors, and we hold fundraisers. We show the importances of slaughtering sloths. We call it slothering. Within our circle, we call it slothering. We are on a continual uh, mission to slaughter the sloth. Slaughter the sloth. Whoa, that would be an interesting horror film right there. You know how they had seven. Sure, seven had, you know, went after all those things. 
the, the sins, right? Well, what if it was, this was just a movie? It was a serial killer who just went after sloths. Ooh, this is gross. I'm getting weird vibrations now. Should I share these with you? It's a horror film. Keep in mind. Okay, now, this is coming to mind right away. So I'm just going to share it. I'm not going to judge I'm not going to judge the vibe if you don't cuz it's just coming from the ether, okay? I'm just I'm just noticing it. Not coming from my mind. So this person who slaughters who he who who he, who he or she believes is is a sloth. You know, the people of society it could be corporate uh uh CEOs, it could be just evil politicians, just the people just <coughs> really trying to Wall Street bankers, you know, just just the Federal Reserve, just just if you can imagine any sort of institution that's trying to do any sort of oppression, that could be involved. And 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 in addition, those who are allowing themselves to watch the news, the media, to get to get just slothed. That could be a term to get slothed. Uh oh, you've been slothed. <laughs> Like to get slimed, but you've been slothed by the media. And now you're there. You're there. You're stuck. You're there. You're hypnotized. You are there. You're hypnotized. If you have billions of dollars and you have, and you have a mindset of wanting to, to really get people to buy into what you got that you're selling and to buy into your philosophies and your ideals and all that jazz. Let's say if you had no, you know, kind of like a lawyer. A lawyer, you know, takes criminals and takes non-criminals um they're just there for the money for the challenge or whatever is driving them they're not necessarily there for the ethics they're just there to do that thing um or like psychologists psychiatrists they're not allowed to reveal you know someone who who gives away all of this okay so anyway so you, so so imagine you're a billionaire and you just you want and you own networks and you own companies and you own farms and you own you know and you're friends with all of these huge conglomerates and you're using the world as a chess set so to speak as a, as a play set it is your play set what are we going to get them to believe let's do a little inside joke between three of us and let's see if the other six of us who rule the world so six of us rule the world basically through our various conglomerates and stuff like that so then it becomes a game of risk a game of stratego and if and if it's not us <clears throat> uh getting harmed and it's other people okay fine all right you know let's let's see how we can let's use the world as a painting let's let's get them to do this let's get them to do that if i own a network i will pay the top psychologists i will pay the top people who know NLP, neuro linguistic programming. I will I will hire those who know the intricacies of color, of vibrations, of of binaural beats, of isochronic tones. I will take into consideration those who are listening to things on their headphones. Um I will, you know, figure out how to jeez, I, I don't even want to give away any ideas here. I don't even want to give it away any ideas. Anyway. There are deep ways you know, that, that can go with a mind that really wants to control populace. And everything reflects and reacts off of one another. Your associates have certain agendas. You have certain agendas. And if, you know, and you, you, you make aliases, or not aliases, uh, what are they called? Alliances with, well, with your various aliases. You're, you're, it's the alias alliance. That could be an interesting group, the alias alliance. 
because you always hear how General Mills owns all these different companies. So that's an alliance of aliases. But General Mills is the top head. Or is it? Or is it ultimately Disney? So it's like an oversoul and then it just... So, Kurt, it's Maria. Thank you so very much for playing some of my voice out here on these messages. I love interacting on the audio platform. I'm so glad you and I met. And yes, I'm excited about the Kapow Festival coming up. I have to say, also, I just wanted to let everybody know who's listening that I was able to put some of those Kapow interviews on my YouTube channel. It's called Strong Body, Strrong Soul on YouTube. And I spent a lot of time editing them down so that they're really fun to listen to and watch. One thing that I keep telling people also is I have been putting some of my podcasting on YouTube and I fully intend for people to listen to the YouTube, not watch it while they're driving. Safety, people. Safety. But entertainment nonetheless. Uh, yes, I've been listening to the uh, Projecto Radio uh, Inspirado Projecto uh, uh, Project, and uh, I just want to say that I've <sighs> really enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Uh, it's uh, brought me quite a... Um, oh, how do I put this? Uh, much Inspirado Inspiradio. Inspiradio, I think I just coined something. Uh, and I just want to thank the makers of this uh, particular uh, specific uh, nondescript uh, radio, uh, nay, 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 podcast for their efforts. And I uh, quite enjoy that uh, quite a bit. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. I must go. Thank you. Hey, this is Annie. Thank you so much for that amazing theme song. I loved it. Um, Please, please send more. Thank you. Yowza, yowza, yowza. I just had an extraordinary conversation with my uh, songwriting buddy, fellow surrealist, and improviser extraordinaire, Lawrence August. Uh, he just called me up about, uh, there's something uh, a ki- with kids. I, I, I've had podcasts about this. Uh, this company called Operation Tone Up. It's, a, it's a, an after school, well, actually during school kind of program where kids learn about nutrients. They learn about ingredients. They learn about uh, proteins and uh, vitamins and minerals. They learn about all that stuff. They learn about... Um, sugars, sodiums, all that jazz, all that razzmatazz, and there's and I've helped out with uh, the music that they've made that these kids are are learning um, through this through this program. And so wonderful things are happening with West Virginia. If you guys, um, so there's a there's a bill that's that's going to be going through um, to make it mandatory. Uh, for this program, except the challenge. It's called, um, let's see, Bill, this is the bill, SB 
SB702. So, I'm going to try to find, let's see, who is the guy? Yeah, so, okay, SB702. Keep that in mind. That's going to be going out there in West Virginia. Just, just if you can, give him a nudge in that direction of, of saying yes to this thing, man. If, if, this, if this program were a mandatory thing in that state, this program, I've seen such positivity happen with these kids. These kids love exercising. They love telling you uh, uh, how many carbohydrates are in certain foods and, and all, that, all that stuff. These kids are so knowledgeable, the kids who go through this program. I love it. If that was a mandatory thing that kids had to go through, because now more and more, these schools are cutting away on, on uh, gym, on physical education. It's bad enough you're cutting away the, the arts, cutting away the music. Then you cut away that too. And then we wonder, how is it that we're raising obese people? Well, you take away their exercise. You know, they're not, they're not, there's no energy that's working off, working off the cooking, working off the cooking. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, that, that is just extraordinary, and I would love to see this happen. I've, I've been to these, the Fittest School Challenge. Check it out on YouTube. Look up Operation Tone Up. Look up Fittest School Challenge. Fittest School Challenge. Look that up on YouTube, and you will see what the heck it's all about. It's, it's astounding. They've been on the news all throughout Arizona, California, they're moving and grooving. It's amazing. There's an entire animated team, the Tone Up team, Flex Pro team, uh, Vita Vitamin, uh, Precious Minerals, Ice Water, Fester Fat Cell, Carby. Wait, is that his name? Carby. Car, par, carby charge, chargey carb, chargey, carby charge, chargey carb, something like that. Just a lot of fun. Look it up, look it up, look it up. What you're about to hear here is the tail end of a conversation I had with Spencer McCall. This is probably part number five. Spencer McCall is a genius writer, um, filmmaker. I came across the movie Inst- The Institute a while ago, and it's, it's a phenomenal documentary about a very uh, mind-bending world. And um, I didn't know back then that Spencer McCall had anything to do with that movie. And then during Kapow Intergalactic Film Festival, the, the, the film festival I helped put together each year, for 2019, in came a screenplay. It was by Spencer McCall. And then in, in the biography, because every, every, you know, whenever you enter something in, um, that we ask you to put a biography so we can kind of see what other kind of stuff you've done or your credits, whatnot. So what it said in there was that he was the director of the Institute and I thought, holy moly, this is crazy. 
I always wondered who it was that was behind the Institute. I never actually actively seeked him out or anything. And then all of a sudden, bam, there he is on my digital front door going, hey, I want to be a part of your film festival. And so then I immediately got a hold of him and I said, we got to have a conversation. So we went to uh, Dupree's over there by the farmer's market. What is that? The Grove? Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, is a side note, the the other Dupree's, which is torn down now. The other Dupree's is where David Lynch and Mark Frost hatched up the idea for Twin Peaks. So it's just it was just so befitting that I I happened to uh, uh, have an interview with Spencer McCall, who's a very Twin Peaksian type of mind. So what you're about to hear here is the uh, tail end of our conversation. And this year... um, so he's got a fe- another feature film called In Bright Axiom that has never been released. It's not been seen out there in the public as far as I know. And it's just an, it just as an equally mind-bending experience. And so we're going to be the premier festival for that, Kapow 2021. If you're a filmmaker, send your stuff in. Go to kapowiff.com and then uh, it'll show you on there how you can submit your projects. I, I would love to meet meet you in person and see your projects if you're a podcaster send your send your stuff you're a screenwriter so um turns out that uh the institute that movie has been kind of looked at by jason seagal and a few others into making it into a tv show and it turns out that uh, depending on when you listen to this you might you know it, it's it's either i saw the notice today for the show today's the 29th today's happy is leap year actually happy leap year um so today on leap year i saw that the the um tv show version of the institute which is now changed to dispatches from elsewhere i think that's what it's called dispatches from elsewhere and so that's actually going to be out i think on amc i think the amc channel uh, but man, I'm just so excited for him. I'm so uh, enthralled for him. You can hear the, all those other episodes that I did with him on, uh, if you look through the this, the archives on uh, Inspirato Projecto, you'll see him. You'll see him. Um, or if you just simply uh, search online, look on Google, look for it. Spencer McCall. S P E N C E R M C C A L L. That's how you spell his name. Just, just marvelous. Dispatches from elsewhere. So it's coming out either tomorrow or if you're hearing this episode on tomorrow, then I guess it's coming out today. So it all depends. It all depends on how, when you hear this. But it'll be out. So, yeah, I've been doling out these little pieces of this interview just over time. And so now this is the, this is the final one. Here you go. This is the tail end of our interview. Thank you so much for listening. The, uh, like when you, sh- when you see the homemade aspects of it, right? When you see the homemade aspect of something peeking through where you're like, oh, there's a little stitch that's peeking out there. It's not perfectly in there. There's, oh, I see a little bit of the glue there. I can, there's a little bit of the stuffing, you know, where right. you can kind of see how it was put together. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, never, you know... Never try to get me to suspend my disbelief. Right, right. Sort of like, 
it, and obviously it's really fun to suspend your disbelief to go watch a superhero movie and, and be totally like wrapped up in the story but sometimes it's fun to also watch that superhero movie and then accidentally like there's a guy eating a donut who like works at the craft table yeah. even if you don't notice it yeah. um, the second or third time or after the internet scrutinizes it yeah. to be like oh that guy uh, was actually not supposed to be in the shot or something oh, like yeah. that just yeah. easter eggs like mm-hmm. constantly and there's some brilliant easter eggs in like uh, production design that I'll notice sometimes like somebody was just I just saw something online where I haven't I don't even really I haven't I've seen maybe like five of the Marvel movies and I know there's like 50 but I saw one and it was from a movie I didn't know but it was the Thor guy I guess he loses his eye mm. uh, at some point but like earlier in the movie or even it might have been a previous movie uh, there's like a portrait of him falls on the ground and like his eye gets like cut and it's just like oh, one of those things in the background it's like a foreshadowing yeah yeah just those like those moments are really cool mm-hmm. and how do you do like how do you do foreshadowing in the real world <laughs> I don't know well, that's what's beautiful about that reverse engineering kind of aspect. Because then you can always see what's so beautiful about history is that it can always be explained by anybody at any time. There's, there can always be any amount of flashback material that is, you know, that can then link into whatever this thing is. And now it makes that portrait that's in that room so much more yep. important to look at now. Now that you know the history behind that and how it got there, totally. you know. Whereas that story wasn't even there before, but now you're writing it and now it becomes something else that someone else is talking about and something else. Yeah, I'm really interested in like revisionist history, whether it's for the good or the bad, you know, but just the idea that there are huge swaths of things that are sort of erased and uh, and the potential to like rewrite history in the future based on like the the winds of of the current attitude i don't know well kind of you know to go along with what you were saying earlier about you know if you can if you can create something like you know the latitude society and and that's an imagination and all these people are you know attaching these meanings these beliefs these you know these certain things to this thing that you just made up imaginatively just like you said before imagine what the heck with all these religions and all those things that that went along that people you know still kill each other over and and all that stuff and it's like well what if those were just made up by, by very good storytellers if if we're doing if we're if we got pranksters like ourselves doing stuff out there in the media like the alan abels of the world doing those kinds of things out there in the media well way back then before they actually had you know phones to record the truth of what's going yeah. on anybody any any trickster at any point someone who is mischievous could have gone boop, 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 boop. here's what happened you know and then they print that up in the newspaper or they write that down in the scroll or yep i mean gosh well yeah or just even thinking about um you know plato alluding to like the sunken land of atlantis and like that has caused so many fucking uh, freaking people in the world to like go off looking for this thing and and I'm sure I don't know maybe there was an Atlantis or something but you know I don't know I think about that sometimes is a thousand or you know a hundred thousand years from now when they're they're archaeologists are like figuring out what's going on a I don't know if access to the internet will still be available so everything you're just putting online you know, oh, yeah. might not be super available uh, but everything you do in the real world that might be have more long-lasting effects than you might think and one of those could be like Plato dicking around talking about you know Atlantis and and all of a sudden we have like submarines and like actual giant funded expeditions to go looking for Atlantis it's like I don't know 
Uh, Kurt, I gotta, you got to bust out of here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was awesome. Thank you so much for talking with me. And uh, this, this was so cool to hear the um, behind the scenes and you know your upcoming projects and thanks for sharing thanks. that stuff with me and this is so great because this will go out this goes out to uh, Spotify and TuneIn and like 40 other podcast distribution things cool I'll repost it cool yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll forward it to you when it's done beautiful dude thanks for, thanks so Thank much you. for coming out man this is so great and thanks so for putting 911 in dude oh yeah absolutely absolutely it. what else uh, you got going on besides like all the organization for the oh, festival right shoot. now oh shoot you know what i, I don't have it i want damn i don't have any cards of uh i'm in i'm in a yacht rock band called yachtly crew Are you? you gotta check That's it out awesome. sometime it's so much fun yachtly crew um, did you ever watch the web series about Yacht Rock? I did. Yeah. I did. Oh, God, oh so it's good. so good, so good. And that's so that that just started the whole the whole genre. So just do you do like Christopher Cross and like Oh yeah, Michael McDonald, Christopher Cross, uh, Toto, Billy Ocean. I mean, it's Any just Steely Dan. Yeah, Steely good. Dan, reeling in the years, Peg. <laughs> oh man, it's so great. I mean, it's a trip down memory lane for some of these people. That's awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah. I kind of like that music. Yeah. Oh, it's I mean, great. The that, soft rock classics. I, you know, I could be so lucky as to be like a, a middle-aged, overweight guy in my sixties uh, with a boat and just jamming out to Jimmy Buffett or whatever. Oh yeah, know. yeah. Um, get well, listen. Um, I just realized that I previously, uh, the setup to that little segment there, I, I called the place Dupree's, and that's just not right at all. It's called Dupars, Dupars. You Google that into the search engine, Dupars, David Lynch, Frost, Mark Frost, you will see that is where the idea hatched, which is just great. Because I've, on, on a number of occasions, I've been able to hang out there with Jeff Finn. He's a fellow Twin Peaksster fellow peaker I gotta tell you as often as possible when you're creating get near nature and or at the very least get near an open window that's got air flowing through because whoa just when you smell that fresh air the wind like you can smell like right now there's that that's hint of like like laundry scent it's just whoosh, going past. Is that interesting? Wow, is it interesting how a smell can just like give you this vibe of of a culture or or some sort of like uh, uh, um, I'm imagining like a fantasy land, like like a Middle Earth type of thing. I'm sure there you know there are those scents, and sometimes these scents they triggered these. You know the deja vu. Sometimes they they trigger the um, uh, a, a, a dream that I recently had that I just cannot seem to remember what that actually was. But it but it but it goes and there's a little piece and it, and it and it plants it in my brain and I remember it. There's a little grappling hook back there. See the universe. The universe said yes. When the universe does that and you pay attention to that, that's the universe being in sync with you, in synchronicity with you. It's beautiful. It happened much sooner than I expected. That's awesome. And then when you pay attention to that, you start noticing. You start noticing your environment starting to echo, starting to reflect 
Um, it's almost like the bigger you allow your imagination to go, the more far, far out there you will hear in the distance um, and or even closer. Maybe it's like one of those things like hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Maybe the more deep, see now I'm feeling more of the wind coming through. I'm seeing more of the trees, the antenna tree, the ever, the ever famous antenna tree. I was talking to the antenna tree earlier today. I used to have a lot more conversations with the, with the antenna tree. Now I look at the antenna tree from uh, just such a, a state of awe. I've seen this. I've seen this this creature grow through the years, right up outside my balcony. I gotta enjoy this stuff as it's happening to me right now. No matter what the the life situation is, because I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I remember having jobs that I had back in the day, and I remember talking with my friends about this later on, about the jobs that we had back in the day, and going, man, and reminiscing and going, man, you know, what the heck? Why didn't we really just, like, ease into that job and really just really, really reside in that moment and in those moments we were having? Because we've got so many fun stories. I realize that a lot of times I've got my mind forward into the future. A lot of times I've got my mind forward in the future. And I realize that's not a, that I, I'm not required to keep my mind in the future. Because what happens then is that potentially I can miss out on all of the stuff that happens right here in front of me. A lot of times that does. Because a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm moving with a, a, with a, I almost said inertia. Why the hell not? I'll just say inertia. Where I'm going someplace or I'm doing something to get it done. I'm going someplace to go there. I'm doing this thing to get it done. And I'm learning to more celebrate the things that I that I that I create. Um the things that, that, that flow through me. I'm I'm learning more about embracing that and and really celebrating it. Because a lot of times I don't give my I don't give myself a celebration for a completion of a project. Does that mean that I don't value it? Is every valuable thing that really means a lot to us, is it, is it required? How many celebrations is it required to have? How often are those celebrations required to, to, to happen? That's an interesting question. So then we can start to get into that utilizing relationships. And we talk about value systems. We have certain value systems and we apply that towards how we feel at a job, um, um, uh, how we feel towards something that we eat. Mm, all these things that give us pleasure in any particular fashion. Sex, driving fast, riding a bike, walking a dog, playing frisbee with a dog, playing with a laser and a cat, doing gymnastics, jumping into a crash mat cannonballing into a pool all those things all those pleasurable things the value systems that we place on those reminds me of those bumper stickers you see on cars would rather be fishing my other car is a boat would rather be fishing there's this idea of rather to be i would rather be someplace else than here what is that place that you'd rather be what is it and when you are even close to that place, do you allow yourself to celebrate it? And also, let's say you land in that spot. Let's say, let's say you'd rather be in Hawaii surfing. When you're there, how deep in it are you? A lot of times we see people feel pleasure in certain things that they've got going on. And I think the thing is that a lot of times we, we feel that we, we 
there's this idea of wanting to have that particular thing. Let's say we see a billboard with someone just having a time of their life riding on a motorcycle, just having a time of their life. Well, now what what becomes associated with that motorcycle the time of their life that 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 feeling that that vibe that that is stamped into that into that motorcycle into that ad and then so when we when we see someone really enjoying ice cream oh well how much are they really feeling the pleasure how much are they playing up the pleasure you know how much of it is it a showmanship why do people get a kick out of seeing others people, other people suffer? Or why do people get a kick out of saying in your face, you know, type of thing of like, ha ha ha, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. At what point are you satisfied with being the best? And then at what point are you okay with someone else having the mantle, you know, up there up on a shelf? At, at what point are you okay with throwing someone a bone, allowing them that opportunity? So it's a value system. The value of that ice cream. If we only see that one person enjoying that so much, maybe it's a band, and they really enjoy that band, and they really get satisfaction on that band, does that entice you to want to listen in on that band? Because maybe you're listening going, hmm, what are those elements about this band that's really, that, that are really digging, that this person is really digging right now? What are those elements that maybe I could enjoy as well? And then maybe once I get into that, once you get into that groove of enjoying that, now you're enjoying it that with that other person. Would we rather have people who are enjoying things with with us because they actually enjoy it or because they want to impress us because they're enjoying it too or because they're, they want to enjoy it because we are enjoying it? Or is it a culmination of all those? I remember I used to show... There were certain movies that I would show or, or bands that I would play for girlfriends through the years. Girls that I was dating. I'd play Rushmore. Uh, I'd play Radiohead, OK Computer. There were just certain... Elliot Smith. I think Elliot Smith was one of them. David Lynch movies, um, certain, it was like a litmus test, like, okay, okay, what are they cool with? And then it gave me that idea of like, okay, cool, I like this, this is a good mind that I could play with, be a part of, that I could collaborate this thing on. So there's that satisfaction and wanting to share it with someone. And when you see it in the world popping up in the place where, in the world where it becomes more and more commonplace, Something that used to be a subculture, like like uh, comic book geeks, in a sense, or a subculture. They were made fun of. But then once they got more and more power, when more and more power, you see more and more and more of them, you feel less and less inclined to make fun of them. Or do you? You know, at what point, what's the tipping point in which people feel okay to make fun of cultures? Well, you haven't gotten kicked around in a while. Let's, let's really give you the smack in the balls for a decade. You know... You guys haven't gotten made fun of enough. Let's 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 do that. But it's interesting how, how a lot of these subcultures suddenly they rise to the top. Who'd have thought that language like 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 gigabytes, megabytes, uh, all all of that would just be commonplace language? Who'd have thought that that would have just be commonplace language? Well, it rose through the ranks. It's kind of like the every dog has its day type of thing. 
So it's that value system. When you see someone going, ah, I got the new iPhone 10. There's that value in it because then you see the billboards and like, look at the photos that this takes. Look at the videos that this takes. This is a real deal here, folks. You want this thing. Well, and then people forget that they're not even using, a, 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 they, barely, they barely use that use those things or they, they barely have any of the data. They're like, well, now it has, you know, one terabyte of data in your iPhone. Well, my last iPhone had, you know, 500 gigabytes of data and I used up 10 gigabytes <laughs> you know you know it's just this idea here's it's a bigger tv it's so interesting these are things to really investigate mad magazine really helps us to uh see beyond that type of thing gives us a good lens good lens the movie they live another good one another movie I think it's called parallel I gotta see it again these are just good movies to watch I know I've talked about these, raved about these a lot, but, but they just help you get into the mindset of seeing what, you know, looking through things through particular lenses and seeing what you see. It's no different than a, than a, than a filter that you put on Instagram or something like that. Certain filter. TikTok, they got certain voice filters. Uh, they got raindrops that can fall through the sky. They can make it look like a 70s television. There are certain filters you can run it through. So what kind of filter are you running your life through? Are you running your, your media through? Is it making you feel good? Is it, is it, is it f- helping you feel satisfied in your moments? Is it helping you feel empowered in your decision-making process and your, um, uh, um, your intuition, following your intuition? Do you feel good about following your intuition? Or do, you, or, do, or do you surround yourself with people who you never get a chance to follow your intuition with because they're always the ones making the decisions? And they're always the ones saying, I told you so. Isn't that interesting? So, are you one of those kinds of people? Or are you a person who follows your heart? I mean, listen, oh, that smell, that fresh air. And then you value what you value because you value it. When you really start looking at, at the, 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 the domino effects of how it gets to be to where it's at, it really starts exploding your brain, doesn't it? It really starts just... <laughs> just blammo. You know what I mean? saw this documentary about this thing and uh i was like oh my god this is it this is what i'm gonna write about so i I called this secret willy wonka figure who put this whole thing on the person who originally created this sort of anonymous art yes it was very hard to track him down and i was told like good luck good luck getting getting him to agree to this so i gave him the pitch of what i wanted to do and he said uh not yet and hung up on me Meaning not yet, I don't want to tell I had no it. idea. I had no idea what not yet meant. But then I found out. Like a month later, I got an email with a location and a time in San Francisco. That's all it said. All it said. Location, time. And have you given this guy your email? No. No. I'm not sure if I would have gone. Yeah. I had nothing huh? to lose. Wow. So I drove up the coast of California, and I showed up at this location. It was a hotel. And I walked in, and they said, we've been expecting you, Mr. Siegel. <laughs> Super creepy. And I, <laughs> yeah, it really was. And I got up to the room, 
and there was a note on the bed with another time and location for the next day, and a note that said, no one is going to make you feel stupid. And at that I say, you get to the room, there's no one from this group to meet you. Just no. the hotel says we've been expecting you, Mr. Yes. Siegel. Yes. And you go to the room that they've got for you, there's a note there, and the note says, go someplace else yes. tomorrow. Series of get notes. the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. I refused, I refused no, to get the hell out of there. Okay, yeah. And so I showed up the next day. You weren't nervous at all? Yeah, you know what, I was nervous, but that uh, that little note, no one is going to make you feel stupid, made me feel really safe. Like, oh, this is good, this is good, what's happening? And, because uh, that's everyone's big fear, right? That's why we don't try things, because we're afraid we're going to look stupid. I show up feeling pretty stupid. Yeah, yeah. No, tell me about it. So, uh, so then I showed up the next day, and I was put through this crazy Carmen Sandiego-style induction, which I profile in the show. That's what I ended up writing about. And I felt like a kid again. I felt like um, I was on this crazy adventure. I lost my sense of self-consciousness and identity. Until at one point, I, I had to walk into this bar, working bar, and go up and say like a password that the crow flies at midnight. And then they were gonna give me my next clue. So I went in, I was so nervous. I said, the crow flies at midnight? And uh, they said, yes, it does. They handed me a thing. And then I'm walking out feeling like so cool. And then I hear, wait a minute. I've seen you naked in the movies. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was back to reality. but. That, that little moment of feeling like a kid again reminded me of this thing that's like available to all of us that, I don't know, there's a lot blocking that feeling. And so the show maybe attempts for an hour a week to, to unblock that. Wow. No, you... In the clip that we saw, in the clip we saw, you're talking about you, you felt that there was real magic. Yeah. There was real magic. Has magic been something that... <laughs> You've always been like actual like I did sort of slide of hand. You did that. Yeah. Well, I really liked feeling like I had a secret that nobody knew about. I was obsessed with magic when I was young. I love my favorite place on earth was the magic store at Disneyland, but it got ruined for me at one point. Um, I was a very obedient child. I like I like to do what my parents told me. Really? Yeah. So we were at we were at Disneyland, and I said I'd like to go to the magic store. I was ten years old. I said, sure, you can go to the magic shop, but we're going to get sweatshirts next door. Do not leave the magic shop. So I said, okay, no problem. So I went in there, and uh, I really, really had to had to urinate. And uh, my parents weren't coming back. <laughs> so I was waiting and starting to shake and sweat. And, uh, and I couldn't help it. <laughs> and I just wet my pants in the middle of the Disneyland magic shop. And I'm standing there just humiliated, waiting for my parents to come. And then, uh, then this old lady came in, <laughs> and she was she was walking over the um, my puddle, and and then my parents came, and um, and I heard the lady behind the counter call the like cleanup, and she said, "We need you in the magic shop. Some old lady wet her pants." And and I never told anybody that it was it was me. So sorry now to the old lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did the right thing. Thank you. you did the right. Jacob, you know something, people.